Welcome to Startup Dads, a podcast about the highs and lows of building a business and raising a family at the same time. For more information about the topics we cover on the podcast and other Startup Dads related content, you can follow us on Twitter at Startup Dads Pod. I'm Amrit, co-founder of Hyper Exponential, a tech startup that I co-founded in 2017. It's grown from a two-person team working out of my kitchen to a profitable business with several large clients and more than 20 team members across London and Europe. I'm also dad to Evie, my first child who was born last December. So this week on Startup Dads, I'm delighted to welcome Yusuf Darwich to the show. Yusuf, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what makes you a startup dad? Hey, Amrit. Great to be here. Um, so I'm Youssef, co-founder of Happy. We're a business that helps parents invest for their children's futures. Um, and we've built a way that grandparents, godparents, aunts and uncles, and anyone else really can also get involved. So they can send investments, they can send messages, they can send pictures, and it all gets stored in this like little time capsule thing. So when the kid turns 18, they get all, you know, hopefully all this money, but also all these me- memories and pictures and everything along with it. So that's what we do at Happy. And what makes me a startup dad is um, I'm a father to a two-year-old daughter called Zaina. And, you know, for any parents out there who are around that two-year-old stage, uh, she's very naughty, um, but she's also very fun. And we spend a lot of time, you know, doing performances of Moana and Frozen. So, yeah, I, I guess a little bit of a mixture of startup and dad. I love it. I love it. Moana, one of the things that's got me through many a sleepless night or got Evie through many a sleepless night. I'm awake when I'm doing it. So uh, totally, uh, totally dig that and can totally relate. Um, an amazing business, absolutely amazing business. So I suppose uh, my first question for you, Yusuf, is to talk a little bit about your career trajectory to date. So you've had a pretty steep career trajectory from what I can see. You've worked in and on multiple businesses, startups and otherwise. Uh, that's before you set up Happy. Uh, so what's been your decision process that drove your kind of choices through your career so far? So I'd say there's like two main things that help me make career decisions. Um, firstly, I'm... I'm I'm the kind of person who always wants to make sure that they're having fun, like doing mm. what they're doing. So at any point that my job starts feeling like a job and not a um, and not fun, I, I reassess what it is. And, you know, that's been from a young age. I remember kind of my first role was um, a Domino's delivery driver, actually. Um, and I, I love management. I love the team. And then management changed. And, you know, very quickly I realized it was a job now and I, and I left. So that's probably one of the first things that, that always kind of plays out in my mind. Um, and then kind of once that's decided, I think the way I make decisions is I always try to think like, you know, long term uh, in terms of like normally around five years or so. That's what I consider long term. Um, where do I want to be? And like, what are the steps that help me get there? And I think there's been like two big times in my career that's helped me so far. The first time was when I was leaving investment banking. My thinking at the time, I you know, I, I was trying to remember of like my process at the time and I think it was just looking at kind of like the MDs in that bank and just realizing that that's not who I wanted to be. So I could stay here for as, you know, for as many years as possible. I wasn't disliking the job, but ultimately I knew that's not who I wanted to be. Um, And where I wanted to be at the time or where I thought I wanted to be was more on like, you know, business strategy side of things, being involved in more to more, like more business decisions. Um, So I kind of left the bank at that point and just like went out there and said, you know, I'm going to start a business for myself. It was in recruitment tech. It was like nothing that I knew anything about. About. But ultimately, I think my mind uh, at the time was thinking like, either it's going to work out great, 
or it's not, but you're still going to learn the skills. So that was kind of like one big decision that, that I remember making. And I'd say the other one was um, when I left Tide. So Tide was a startup that I was at before, um, you know, a little while before before Happy. When I was thinking about kind of like what next to do, once again, I wanted to be back in that early stage, learning the types of things that, that a founder will need later on in life, because that's ultimately what I've been working towards. And so I had a few offers, some of them at later stage businesses where the role would have been a bit more defined, some of them at a bit earlier stage where... Um, I would have been responsible for a bunch of different things and that was important for me. So yeah, it's 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 kind of like looking forward and just trying to think like which of these is going to has got a higher chance of getting me where I want to get to. I love that. Um, and I'm very impressed that you look at 5 years. I think for me right now I look at I, I don't even barely know what I'm doing next week. But 18 months is <laughs> it, you know is a, a big time horizon in the startup world, but I totally think, you know, uh, I can totally relate to that kind of what sort of person do I want to be? Where do I want to be in my life? I think lots of founders look like that right they see a lot of opportunity in the world and they want to think about which ones they're going to grasp but there's definitely a difference between like day-to-day -day and in the future 100%, 100%. right because like I, I can think that far ahead i find it hard to think three to six months ahead for uh, example yeah. so like it, just yesterday someone put something into my diary for august and they said like are you free this date in <laughs> august or this date in august i literally replied like come on this is august i've, I've got no idea just put in whatever i'll make it work um, so yeah you know i'm a little bit like yeah, you there as for well. sure for sure i think it's really interesting, this mentality that I, I, I see from a lot of the amazing founders I've talked to. I'm really interested now, now that you are a, a founder and you're building a business that you want people to thrive at, how does the way you've developed your career influence the way you plan a happy? Because you're a growing business, a thriving business, you have team members coming on, I expect. Like, how, do, how do you think about that? One of the things that we've tried to make sure we're true to a happy is where we're trying to get to once again in the future. And I think that was probably one of the hardest things that we had at the beginning. Like we kind of knew what the vision was, but we found it really tricky for the first few months to really like boil that down to what are we actually working on today? And so we actually ended up spending a load of time before writing any code, before building anything, just like trying to figure out what the different options we had and like what the right starting point was to get us where where we want to get to ultimately. And I think that's one of the things that we've we've tried to continue doing and just like really holding ourselves accountable when thinking about any more short-term decisions in terms of like product roadmap prioritization, marketing mm -hmm. experiments, etc. Does this actually move the needle and does it help us get where we want to get to or is it potentially a short-term distraction? And I think and that's one of the things I've learned during my career. It's like, it's these short-term distractions that are going to kill yeah. you. Like you're going to kill yourself. Startups die because of suicide, yeah. not murder. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that, that we that we try to really hold ourselves accountable to. Yeah, that's a, it's a really, really good point. And I think yeah, that analogy is so, so true. It's really impressive the way you've done that. I certainly remember at the beginning of HX how you spend quite a lot of time working out actually what sort of business you are, right? I, it's amazing. You can have an idea and it can actually take quite a while before you're like okay this is actually what it means for what we're trying to do like often you'll have a nucleus of an idea and it'll, it can be something that you know is valuable but actually building the business around that that's less straightforward than it sounds i think a lot of people don't realize that 
Yeah, well, to be honest, that's so we were lucky to go through the Entrepreneur First program. And I think that was something that they really drilled into us is constantly reassessing. So they have this concept of like every week you'd basically get in front of your mentor and they would they would kind of try to make your business fail and break it up. But I think it was that kind of focus on like, is this really the right thing for you to be doing mm. now? A, in terms of who you are as people, but B, in terms of is this what's going to get you like the most progress in, 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 in the short amount of time? I think it was that laser focus that, that helped us. Yeah. Yeah, makes total sense. Changing tack to the dad side of your life. So can you talk to me about the parallels you've seen between startup life and life as a parent? I think there's one main one that that sticks out to me. And I think it's, you know, with most things in life, we've kind of been brought up knowing that like, if you do things enough time, if you follow the certain, you know, the same certain steps, the output will always be predictable mm. and kind of always be the same. Like that's what you learn at school, mm. university, et cetera. That's kind of what's drilled into you. And I think I started realizing, you know, when I was super early on at Tide, that that's not the case in the startup world. Like one day something will work, the next day it won't. And it's all about like experimenting and being, um, uh, I guess, like uh, quite like fluid in your approach and just appreciating that you just don't always have this, the answers and that's certainly been something that over the last few years we've realized with Zayna it's like um sleep you know (laughs) that was hard work for us and we read all these books and we talked to all these people about like you know this is a sleep routine this is what you do and you just realize that it's not the case like one day she'd fall asleep at you know 7 p.m for us is amazing so like let's say she's fall asleep at 7 p.m one day and wake up at 7 and we're like yeah we've nailed it (laughs) and then the next day she's up till 10 and it's just like okay you know um so i'd say like that is probably the biggest parallel between startup life and parenting it's just like you don't have all the answers things are going to work one day they're not going to work the next day you've just got to keep like moving on and keep trying to figure out what works and what doesn't yeah you're absolutely right i've got a tweet that i look at every morning and it's part of my morning routine which talks about success is not a function of brilliance it's about persistence and the rate of iteration and you're so right right and i think particularly in the early stages of a startup where you don't have a lot of data and you can have things that make you successful that are absolutely not the thing that you should do over and over again right and i think it's a really such a valuable point that getting used to not having control getting used to finding the right level of you know, resistance and resilience to things that you don't have control of and trying to control the things that you do, finding that balance is a, it's a real key to kind of mastery of yourself as a founder, right? Yeah. And I guess uh, we haven't got there yet, but I guess that also becomes more important as you get bigger, right? Where you have to naturally let go of some of that control of some of the early stuff yeah. you've been doing. So um, yeah, something hopefully for us to, to look forward to. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's relatively early, as I think, as you just alluded to, it's relatively early in Happy's life. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about the times where your experience as a dad has helped you at work? Uh, when it comes to like what I've learned from my daughter, um, you've probably heard this before, but I'd say like patience is mm. probably the the biggest thing. Um, and I think that's important because naturally I'm quite a, um, I make decisions very quickly. I'm very like gut driven, especially in the early like stages of, of business when you don't have as much data. And I think it's important to just, yeah, remember, you know, that not everyone works that way, for example. And so, you know, Sometimes you have to be a little bit patient with the people you work with. But at the same time as well, you don't always see results straight away. So you do have to be patient. And I think that's the big thing. It's like, you know, with parenting, you can be 
so like I'm I'm originally Egyptian, so one of the things is like keen to bring my daughter up speaking Arabic. Mm. Um, and you know, it's not easy when she's like getting pretty good at speaking English. You know, she does that very well and just remembers like, hey, you know, Arabic's not going to be her first language. Be a bit patient in in the way you're doing that. So I think that's probably one of the things that has most been transferred across and like has matured me over the last few years when it comes to my, my work life. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, the nature of most founders is to not be patient right? They're not naturally patient by definition. I think you're someone who's unhappy with the status quo and wants something to be better, right? You know, Evie came after I set up HX and I've learned a lot more patience, if I'm honest with you. So I think it's a very valuable thing. Uh, I, I totally see what you're saying. The thing is as well, we operate in a regulated space, right? Mm. Where actually you can't necessarily move as fast as you would like. So just, you know, a simple example, everything we write, everything we say needs to be approved before it goes out. And that takes, you know, a few days, potentially up to a week. Um, and that is certainly something that I think if you speak to our <laughs> partners, they'll be like, oh, Yusuf needs to become a lot more patient. So, you know, it's still a learning journey, but, but yeah, we're getting yeah, there. For sure. Yeah, I totally can relate. We're no longer in quite the regulated space that we were, but having worked in insurance before that, which is highly regulated, mm. I totally sympathize. Yeah. Again, an interesting question here for you. It's often acknowledged that a startup's culture reflects its founder's personality. Um, is that the case for you at Happy? When you're a small team, I think that's natural. You know, myself and Shawnee are pretty big characters. So I think, you know, it is natural that... Um, that the startup's culture and Happy's culture does reflect our personality a bit. I'd also take that a step further and say like the product we're building to a certain extent reflects our personality mm. as well. And, you know, I've touched on this before and it's around like, like our product is designed to try to help parents think into the future mm. a little bit more and start planning for these things that seem too too far away. And I think, you know, it's that's very much like our personalities as, as you know, myself and Shawnee as, as co-founders. And it's also what we're trying to instill into, into, into the product. So like, you know, I'll give you a couple of examples of this. Despite being a finance app, we don't care about like hardcore like budget planning and knowing where every penny is spent on each month. And that's similar to like my personality in general. I don't really care about like the detail of what's going on in the micro thing. As long as we're moving pretty quickly, we're moving in the right direction, that's the most important thing. And I think like, yeah, it's funny that our product is reflecting that. It's like, you know, as long as the parent is moving towards their goal of, you know, financial security for their kids, a university education for their kids, whatever it is. We don't care about like the day-to-day. -day. We're not going to tell you, you know, stop buying Deliveroo every day. That's not our job. So yeah, I, I'd say it's the culture that we're trying to build in Happy. And I think the most important thing we'll be seeing like as the business grows, how that evolves. Um, I know people have different thoughts on this. I personally think like culture gets developed over time. I don't think you can write a culture down. And I know People do exercises in that, though. But yeah, you know, I'm I'm a bit more fluid, and I'll let I'll let the I'll let the culture become apparent over the next few years. Hopefully, we'll hire well because that's the thing that decides the culture. So, yeah, over time, we'll see how that evolves. You know, again, what's that phrase? Culture is what people do when no one's looking. You don't have control about what people yeah, do when yeah. no one's looking. So, I think you know, having that approach and being fluid and realizing that things change is really valuable. And I can definitely attest, you know, the culture of your business is fundamentally different when it's two co-founders working together, smashing something out, mm. than when it's even, you know, five people, then 10 people, 20 people, 40 people. It changes so much. It changes so much. Yeah. yeah. 
So again, happy, a very clearly family future oriented business. How do you accommodate family life at happy? You've become a startup. Zaina's two years old now. How do you accommodate at happy? How are you doing it at home? Can you talk to us? So, you know, I love talking to founders and thinking about how they're making it work. Oh, my answer is probably different to if you ask my wife how, how, how it's going. Um, but um, yeah, I think like one of the things that was always important for me and, you know, going back to my banking days as well as like being home, having dinner at home, that was like a key mm. thing for me. And I didn't like like when my seniors and I'd look at them and they were having dinners in the office, they would miss that family time. And it was something that I always wanted to avoid. And so that's something that like the way I structure my day at Happy and the kind of what we're trying to get the team comfortable doing is kind of managing their own time. So if, I'll, I'll give you an example. For me, most days at around five is actually when I kind of stop working because I go pick up my daughter from nursery, come home, spend a few hours with her, etc. We have dinner together as a family. Just that family time is really important. But then, you know, as soon as she's asleep, I'm back on it as well. And I think that's kind of like the way we're trying to accommodate family life at Happy is like, ultimately, you've got your own family. Three out of the four of us are parents. Mm. Um, and I assume it's going to continue being that kind of percentage as, as, as we get bigger. So like, you've got your own family, make sure you're spending time with them. But at the same time, we're a startup. So you've got to get the work done. And like, that's something that I've naturally enjoyed throughout my whole career. I've always been the type of person that when I'm working, I'm like, not fully working, but it also means when I'm holidaying, I'm not fully yeah. holidaying. Yeah. So like my, my wife gets a little bit annoyed with that. And I think it's fine as, as founders and stuff, but yeah, that's going to be the tricky thing to, to see how it evolves as, as, as we get bigger. Because at the moment it is very much a, uh, Whenever you need in the day, go spend time with your kids. You know, if they're off nursery because they're ill, that's fine. But hey, like at night, you might need to work a little bit. In the weekend, you might need to work a little bit. So we'll probably need to figure out a better approach for that because I know it's not right. But that's how we're trying to accommodate family life at Happy at the moment. Yeah, I think it's definitely a very natural consequence of when your team is smaller it's very natural and easy to see the impact of people's availability and performance. And you don't really need to give it that much thought. But again, I think it's good that you've thought about this because as a business scales, you know, in inevitably, and I think great businesses generally do have less processes, fewer processes than more, but not zero. Um, and it's mm. like getting that right. But I think it's also different to like the types of people you hire at the beginning are very much like you're looking for a different person to the type of people you hire when you get to like 50 plus, right? Yeah. And I think yeah, um, uh, that's something I, I saw at Tide. Like the the early team were just naturally a very different type of personality. The way they thought about work as being more than just a, a job mm. was something that you, you don't get and you don't necessarily want as well from your 100th employee. Um, so that's the thing that we've got to yeah try to figure out and yeah, hopefully we will, but I'll, I'll look to, you know, more experienced startup founders like yourself for advice as and when, as and when we get to it. Uh, I'll take that as a massive compliment. It's very rare. Uh, I feel like <laughs> a very experienced startup founder, but I wonder if that's the case for all startups in all stages of their life. You always feel like there's a next level for you to learn about. But that's the good thing about the startup community though, as well. I know I'm going a bit off piece here, but it's like, I always love talking to people that are like one to two years ahead rather than like, 
five 100%. years ahead or whatever because like it just makes it so much easier and i think that's some of the most important things about or some of the best things about the startup community here in here in london for sure for sure uh, i was just talking uh, on a i was actually speaking on a podcast just before this about that and about finding the right mentors the right stages who can you know for whom the scars are still fresh right uh, it's a very effective yeah, strategy yeah. effective way to learn one thing I wanted to ask you, Yusuf, related to Happy, because Happy is clearly a very family mission kind of driven business as much as anything else, right? Uh, your origin story, why you wanted to do it and how it's filling a need that you felt personally. How does that motivate, you know, at this stage when you are at the very formative stage of Happy, how are you higher? Do you place high value on that sense of mission in, in team members at the moment? I, th I think you have to. The first few hires just like shape the entire Absolutely. business. And I think that's an important thing for us. It did, yeah, it has meant, as I said, that like the majority of the team are parents. And if they're not, they're very family oriented mm. anyway. Um, because you, you kind of need people who buy into that. Like our whole product is about, you know, it's not just a, an immediate family, right? It's about helping the extended family get involved as well. Like at the moment, they get involved by buying toys and it's about changing that experience, making it more long term making it more sustainable um so yeah it is super important for us when we think about mission I, I, or when we think about hiring i think there's two things i think people who really buy into that family angle and the importance of families and then obviously the other one is people who you know from a finance point of view people who buy into that and actually mm. like a lot of our mission is is looking at things that uh, one of my old employers we would we would give to really high net worth individuals and just thinking about how do we change that experience? How do we make it not just more affordable? Because I think that's kind of, a lot of people are focused on that already, but like affordable isn't like affordable is one part of the answer, but it's not always the, the entire thing. Like some of it is just like reimagining what, what that means in the first place. And I think that's like a, a strong part of our mission as well. For sure. For sure. Uh, I think, you know, having a really tangible mission at the front of a business, again, is so valuable. And uh, it will definitely, like you say, the first few people you hire, it just shapes your business. You know, I really like, I think it was Patrick Collison from Stripe who says, imagine what happened if you had a hundred of this, these people. Take every one of them and say, if you had a hundred of them, what would you feel like? Because if your business scales, they're going to be the people that are growing the business as much as you and your co-founder. It's also um, when things get tough, like startups naturally get tough. And I think one thing I, I saw uh, when I mentioned when I left um, banking to do my own thing in the recruitment space, I wasn't even that bought into the mission and I was the founder, right? And it, what it meant is as soon as things got tough, I, I stepped away from it. And I think that's why it's so important, like with your first hires to get people who are bought into the mission, because like there will be bad weeks, bad months. And you've, you, those people, like they're not going to get through it unless they really believe in what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Yusuf, I want to ask you the question now that I ask every guest. So what's the biggest lesson you've learned from your journey in entrepreneurship that you'd like to pass on to your kids? So I'd say... The biggest thing I've learned is that you can't do things alone. Naturally, I'm quite a, um, like I'm, I'm an introvert. I like doing things on my own. I like working on my own. You know, I started my career building financial models, which is sitting on Excel on your own. But yeah, I think like the startup world is very different. And actually, sometimes the people around you make the biggest difference. So like in work, this means, you know, employees, mentors, advisors, and kind of like investors, anyone else who, who's friendly. 
I first learned this at Tide is not only did we have like an amazing group of supporters, but also we had an amazing team that just made everything that little bit easier. It made going to work that little bit easier as well. And I, you know, I think at Happy, we've been fortunate enough to be supported as well by incredible mentors, investors, and you know, the team. And that's helped so much over the last few months. So kind of bringing that back into like, how does that fit in with my daughter and kind of what I, what I want to um, teach her? It's like, the exact same thing is true in your personal life. You know, from a young age, your friends are going to shape mm. you. If you're in the right group, you're going to have this healthy competition between each other. Like I had it when it came to sport. You might have it in music. You might have it in studies. Like those people around you are going to shape you more than anyone else. Um, and your family is the same thing. Your family are your biggest cheerleaders. Mm. Like things are going to get tough at times work hard on that relationship i'm obviously going to say that as i'm her dad and i don't want to you know growing up and forgetting about me but like that's some of the most important thing and it's funny how like these relationships come out and help you at times you don't even expect it like some of our beta testers are happy they're people that I went to school with more than 15 years ago, and I haven't even spoken to them since then. And they've supported me so much more than some people that I've that I've spoken to in, in the last six months, 12 months. And so it is crazy. Like focus on those relationships because you never know who's gonna who's gonna help you in the future and who you're gonna be able to help as well. So I'd say that's the biggest advice. Like people. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's a, that cliche that you are the kind of average of the 10 people you keep closest around you. And it's so true, you know, and they may change over your life. And one of the beautiful things about working in a really great startup is it brings you together with some people, you know, it unites you with some people to do great things. And so I think that's wonderful advice that carries across both. Hopefully. <laughs> well, uh, Yusuf, thank you so much for coming on the show. That was absolutely awesome. Uh, sounds like you've got off to a great start. We're definitely going to be watching and seeing how happy goes and grows. Startup shoutouts. Um, before we wrap up, we'd like to close up with our regular feature, Startup Shoutouts. So who's your startup shoutout? Today, I wanted to give a shout out to a fellow entrepreneur first company called Dishpatch. They've been amazing over the last year. Um, so what Dishpatch do is they do home delivery of restaurant uh, ingredients, um, which you can then kind of prepare at home yourself. And it's just been like so nice for parents, I guess, like, you know, us who haven't been able to really have anything special over the last 12 months because you can't go out for no. dinner. And so it tends to be the same delivery over and over again, whenever, whenever you want to do something a little bit different. And I think like what Dishpatch have done and like unlocking these like really high quality meals, um, and just delivering them to your door has just made it so much you know, easier when it comes to birthdays, when it comes to just like anything that you want to celebrate and make it a little bit more. So, uh, yeah, I'd encourage everyone to check them out and order some of their yummy food. Uh, sounds fantastic. And exactly as you say, just the sort of thing for a startup dad, startup mum from time to time to have restaurant quality food at home. So absolutely brilliant. So, uh, you said, what's next for Happy? What's next for you? Is there anything you want to use the podcast to announce while you're here? Yeah, so um, uh, happy we're currently in in beta, um, and so yeah, obviously if there's any listeners out there that that want to kind of skip the queue and and, and sign up to our beta, just drop me uh, a message on LinkedIn, email, whatever, um, and you know happy to do that. Next next few months for us really is about kind of just yeah working with those early beta customers to make sure that the product is is as good as we we hope it will become, and hopefully do a public launch uh, later later this summer. So I'll keep you posted on on Absolutely, that. Absolutely, please do. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Amazing journey. 
really, really great to talk to you here about what you've achieved today and what's coming next and what it's meant for the uh, Darwish family. Brilliant stuff. Great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Many thanks to today's guest. You'll find links to them and their work in the show notes. To join our community of parent founders, head over to the Startup Dance Facebook group. 